This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm your host, Chris Hambling, and my panel and I will take you through the who's, what's, why's and what-ifs of the season opener away to Chelsea. A 3-0 defeat for the Eagles was an improvement on last season, but it was a tough test for Vieira's new-look Palace side. This week, I am joined by Chris Clark. Hello. Hello. And Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Right, great to have both of you on for this season opener. Been a been a very long time uh, since I've done this, and uh, yeah, you know, you're going to have to kick some rust off and all that kind of stuff. But new season, new palace, new back of the nest, and uh, very very excited to be back with you. So we'll be starting with just a quick roundup of some of the news from the week, and I'll take you through that myself and see if I can get some comments from the gentlemen uh, on these items. And the first of those is uh, the under-18s open their season, obviously successful season last year, finishing joint top. Uh, fantastic performance. The likes of you know David Omalabu and Jezrin Raksaki were hugely prominent in that and have, have progressed to under-23 and first-team level for this year. So a few other names that are starting to creep in. There's a good group of 16s last year, uh, some of those featuring in this particular match. But it was a, uh, an old hand, if you like, at 18-level. Victor Akinwale, who got two goals, and Jaden Raymond got the third goal. It was also Jaden Raymond who got two, uh, both the assists the assist for Akinwale. Um, two players who have, have performed very well at that level, and Raymond had... Such a, a, a difficult season last year uh, due to injury, uh, but hugely rated at the club. Uh, nearly lost him to, to Leeds at one point, but ended up signing the pro terms with Palace and back from injury and back playing at that level and, and having an absolutely storming game for the first game of the season. So, um, you know, really, really positive stuff. And Patrick, I don't know if you caught any of uh, any of the details on that yourself. I know you were talking about it on the back of the next chat before, but any comments on the, the under-18s? opening to the season yeah um it's great to get the win they were down one nil at one point and then got the three goals i know they scored two goals before half time um i can while they scored them but it's good to see um Romola playing he's playing left back this year um i heard good things about the new goal the goalkeeper owen goodman and that new kid we signed adler nascimento played um which is nice and you you, you mentioned about Jaden raymond i know i heard a lot of things about raymond and uh fion mooney on that team that won the uh, Floodlit Cup, I believe, on the 15th. So it's good to see he's back. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these names. I mean, again, I hate to keep doing this, but I, the football manager has a lot of these players in it. And I actually, I, I follow them a little bit more through that, which is not real, but at least I kind of know what the names are, which is kind of funny. So, you know, hopefully looking for a good season this year. Absolutely. Um, thanks, Patrick. Um, and Chris, I'll, I'll go to you on this next one. There's um, a, a story... It was something that has been been talked about on the message boards and on social media for a while. But Brandon Pierrick has, has left Palace. 
he's joined the Danish club Velje uh, Bull Club, which uh, I'm sure that's the perfect pronunciation of that club, which I have no idea about. Uh, but anyway, he's um, you know he's he's only still only 19. Obviously, got uh, an opportunity in, in the first team a couple of seasons back, and there's lots of will he make it, won't he make it? Should we be giving him more of an opportunity? But didn't um, light any fires on loan at Kilmarnock really, um, and ended up being um, you know being being let let go by the club. To, subject to international clearance, that is to, to join in the the Danish league. So, um, thoughts on Pierre? Did you first of all were you one of those people who wanted him to play more and thought he might make it? Uh, and second of all, generally, how do you how do you feel about the fact he's left the club? Well, obviously, I'm on the record as a big fan of Roy Hodgson and the, and the work that he did do at the club. Um, but one of the mistakes I think that you know he undoubtedly made, and I'm sure that you would both agree with me. Um, is not giving sufficient chance to some of these younger players. Brandon Pierrick, um had a great game uh, when he played with that one opportunity that he was given against Norwich. I was at that game um, and I thought he looked really promising there. I think it's a, it's a shame that he didn't then get more opportunities to just get a few minutes in, in the league and show what he could do. Um, so, you know... I mean, even the the website announcement is pretty sparse on on the club website. It says everyone at Palace wishes him the best for his future endeavours. I'm sure we all we all agree with that. Um, and I'm glad it was you who had to pronounce the name of the Danish Danish club he's gone to because I was about <laughs> to apologise in advance when I tried. <laughs> absolutely right. I'm sure I gave it a, a good go there and, and got it absolutely perfect. You know, it's got a knack for languages, Chris. That's what it is. Um, anyway. anyway. Um, so the final um, uh, point of order in terms of, of Palace news, really, I've, we've, we've picked out the uh, the announcement around the season tickets. A um, lot of debate online about it, of course, and and around everybody that Palace have, have ditched the physical season ticket card for the season. Quite late getting the news about that, um, those of us that are season ticket holders. And um, they've, they've decided to go digital. It'll be accessed via a, a smartphone. Um, presumably they're looking at an app after the Brentford game from the context of the announcement. But, um, you know, a few people are a little bit reserved about what that means for some parts of the fan base. You know, not everybody owns a smartphone still, I guess, but, um, you know, certainly um, a degree of modernisation and hopefully it all goes without incident. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, you say hopefully it goes without incident. It it didn't go without incident when they trialled this stuff at some of the pre-season games for me. Um, and yeah, I think it was one of the under 23s matches. I ended up stuck at a gate for a fair old while while they said they were going to go and get one of the chief stewards. Um, and I was fortunate enough that someone I knew came in and had a spare ticket that they'd printed on paper and I was able to get in. Um, so, you know, these things, that change is always tricky, um, especially for people, as you say, who may not have the technology or may even just not have access to a printer. But we'll get used to it. It'll work. Um, I just, you know, as long as we've still got a means of earning parish points, I'm happy. <laughs> Absolutely right. The the magnificent parish, parish points. I can't even say it then. It's been so long. Um, okay, so that's the news for the week. And uh, we want to get cracking, really, just talking about the game. And, um, you know, for points of reference here, I like to do this where I can. Uh, Chris made the journey to Stamford Bridge. I'll give us the perspective from there. Patrick obviously lives in New York and for that reason was not at the game. Uh, and myself, I wasn't at the game due to the fact I currently am having to shield to some degree. Not legally, but, uh, you know, logically shield. So my uh, my start to the season is going to be a little bit stunted. But anyway, um, so we've got, you know, different perspectives from the fact those of us who watch the game at home uh, versus those who were at the game. So we're interested to explore the difference there, the difference in feeling. Um, certainly, you know, we could be more analytical sitting there watching at home. And I think when you look at social media for those, from those people who weren't at the game, a lot of harsh comments out there, a lot of, you know, analysis on the fly where I think probably Chris might reflect the fact that the feeling at the game, the fans together again, the singing was was very noticeable um, on, on the streams and on the radio. So that was all really positive stuff. So I, I wonder if there's a different perspective from the game, which we'll explore in a bit. But, you know, in, in a summary, we were well beaten by Chelsea. I think, you know, as a, we could, we can easily see from the pre-season games the, the way that Vieira wants the team to be set up, wants the team to play, wants to make sure we're being brave on the ball, passing our way out from the back. We certainly tried to carry that work on in this game, but Chelsea didn't allow that to happen. They were very, very good, very, very sharp. 
Um, they'd obviously played a competitive match uh, in the Super Cup just before that, beating Villarreal. So, you know, they were very much up for that game and we struggled to cope with that, I think it's fair to say. Really poor in the first half for me. And um, that's where I want to start with both of you if I can. So, you know, Vieira talked after the game, you know, he was asked, you know, what did you learn from the match? And he, and he said he didn't really learn too much because, you know, he knows that we're short. Um, so let's talk about what he means by that. And I'll, I'll start with you, Patrick, if I may. What does Patrick Vieira mean by in terms of we're short? And if we are short, why was that the best way to approach the game? Interestingly, um, just a little quick plug. Um, I'm now doing a YouTube match reaction video uh, post-match with a gentleman named T, uh, thanks to DR, better on YouTube after the game. So yesterday we'll talk about the game, obviously, right after the match. And um, I hadn't noticed, so I'll give T the credit and DR the credit. That team yesterday had nine players that played a lot last year under Hodgson. I hadn't realized that. So looking at the lineup, you had Gwehi, who was new, obviously, and then Mateta, who Roy refused to pick last year. But everybody else was a Hodgson player. So... You're thinking about Vieira coming in and wanting to change totally how we play. Very difficult when you're using Hodgson-style players. Again, not to get down on Hodgson, but the fact that this Hodgson-style and what Vieira wants to play are totally different. Hodgson wants to sit back and counter-attack, play the 4-4-2, never get out of it, be solid defensively, etc. And Vieira wants to high-press, keep the ball and pass it around, attack down the flanks when possible, overlap the wing-backs, etc. And uh, yesterday... Chelsea choked us. We weren't able to do that. And for me, that's, I think, what Vieira was talking about. He wanted to do it, but we weren't able to. We just didn't have the players to do it. Um, you know, we do have players that can come in at some point and improve us. Players like Klein on, as a wingback, let's say, for instance, or Gallagher in midfield for more legs, uh, Luca possibly, Benteke up front, and that out the back to pass out of the back with Gwehi. So... The future to me is bright, but yesterday was it was very much a Hodgson type Hodgson team trying to play Vieira star, which was never going to work. And credit to Chelsea because they are very, 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 very good. I think that's a that's a really good summary, Patrick. I think you know you're you're right to pick that out in terms of the number the, the players were trying to play a new style, but they were very much you know a Hodgson team. And you talk about Mateta, I'll talk about him in a bit, but you know he he being one of the differences and. You know, didn't didn't have a great game, um, and you know, it's I think players players trying to do something that they're unfamiliar with. One preseason is one thing, you know, and training is one thing. You can you can do what you want, can't you? You can you know you can you can feel it's all clicking and it's all working. And the team clearly went into the first game of the season feeling really positive about that change, as did all of us, I think. Um, but you know, having to open the season against the European champions against one of the best teams in the league with a fantastic manager who's got them playing some incredible football. Um, I think that was always going to be a difficult game. And that, that's why, you know, you know, I got very negative the last couple of years, very, very bored and, and, and stale watching Palace. And I just didn't enjoy it. Um, and I'm really up for this season. I'm really, really positive about it. And, and I just want to see, you know, I want to see us trying. And I think we tried something yesterday and I don't mind. I don't mind us being beaten. I'm frustrated that we got beaten as badly as we did, but it was still better than we performed last year. Hey, hey Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we've got to give change a chance. And, you know, yesterday was the first competitive game uh, with Vieira in charge. And you'd got players adjusting to an, a different style of play. Um, I think that became... That also became apparent later on, but I'll, I'll start really by focusing on something. I did tweet this out um, after the game, just in terms of my reaction, and that was that when we were trying to play out from the back, we were doing it slowly and very, very deep and inviting pressure onto ourselves. And it felt to me that that was ultimately one of the reasons why we kept giving away free kicks really quite near our 18-yard box. Uh, which ultimately led to the goal. Yeah, Vieira said that was a turning point, and he was right. That definitely uh, felt like the moment that, from my point of view, I felt fairly confident that we were going to lose that game the moment that free kick went in. But I, I felt we were playing too deep, and I felt there wasn't enough support coming from midfield. I know Patrick, and I jousted a little bit, um, but friendlily on Twitter, so I'll be interested to hear what he's got to say about that. You're worried about playing up the back. Um but the thing I think the problem with playing at the back is that players that we have currently in our back four, 
can't play out the back. Players like Kuyate and Ward, they're not available. They just can't do it. Clearly, Anderson and Gwehi can. When Anderson came in second half, we were much, much better. Um, Gwehi can play a 30, 40-yard diagonal ball, as can Anderson out the back. Kuyate cannot do that. Uh, Ward was involved down the right side, but um, he's just not as agile and available as I think a, like a Klein would be. So Klein, and I think Klein's got better control, can play out the back better. So I think the issue we had yesterday was as much that we just didn't have the players in the back four that can play. I think Mitch will be fine in, in, the, in the back. So it'd be interesting to see when Anderson does start, I think he will start against Brentford with Gray here. And I think he has to put Klein in at right back. I think those four in the back, Gwaita also looked very uncomfortable, by the way, playing out the back. He's definitely used to hoofing the ball like, like Hennessy did last year. But if we can get players in the back that are comfortable, maybe I guess our midfield involved. But I thought the midfield yesterday, Schlupp, Gyro, and Maka were very, very poor from the standpoint of helping those four uh, being available and helping to you know come for the ball. So I think that has to improve for next week also. Yeah, I agree with that, Patrick. And, and to kind of pick up from that point, that's where, where my head was very much... Um, for, for this game, and um, you're right to point out that the second half was an improvement, um, that the formation change in particular, it was very cruel. Uh, I was I was talking on um, on Twitter with, uh, with a guy called Luke Cooper about this. It was a very cruel time to concede because the change was the right change in terms of the formation. I, I'll be honest, I, I thought, you know... <laughs> it really was, taking, yep. I, I understood why Jeffrey Schlupp went off. Um, but I personally, I would have tried Schlup out on the right or on the left and switch Zaha over and taken Jordan Ayu, I, and Ayu off. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. Take Jordan Ayu off because Ayu was yeah. full of running, full of I effort and, yeah. and, and pushing really hard. But he basically ultimately <laughs> ran into cul-de-sacs and lost the ball a lot and was pretty ineffective. And, you know, and I don't really like seeing him in that right-hand <laughs> side role. So yeah. that was a shame for me. Um, but but other than that, that's the minor, minor gripe on the change. It was the right change in terms of the formation. and you know, it kind of just begged the question was maybe that was the right way to start against Chelsea, given what I was coming to and the main point of, of why I think we have struggled so much that you articulated, Patrick, and that is that the midfield with the options we had available, it was too soft. Uh, MacArthur really doing all of the, the energy and really doing all of the, the tackling, but pretty much on his own because what wasn't really Gyro's game to do that. You know, he wants to sit and, and you know, make play. He wants yeah. to, you know, to run and you know, move the ball quickly, but but he's not really going to put that much in in, in terms of a, a right. tackles and 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 getting in people's faces. No one's screening properly like Luca does, and he gets a lot of stick. But unfortunately, we've lost him for a while uh, for for personal reasons, and, and you know we're just going to have to cope with that. And without Gallagher, who we brought in to add mobility, you know the options weren't really there in the centre of midfield. And I was on a Chelsea podcast, Chelsea fancast um, preview in the game with them, and I said to them, look. You know, the biggest problem we've got against you guys, because they were quite negative. They're saying that they, they look leggy and tired in the Super Cup. They've not had a great pre-season uh, and it was a good time to play them. And I said, it's a perfect time to play us because, <laughs> you know, we <laughs> haven't really got any options in centre midfield. I told them it's going to be MacArthur and Riedervald. We haven't really played together, you know, in a two, um, you know, but or, or you know, indeed in, in the three that we attempted. And if you start looking at the impact that that had, People found it very difficult to to pick whether we were actually playing the four three three at times. We were, but Chelsea forced it into a, a four four two or a four five one at times, and it became very difficult to really see what we were trying to do. So everything Chelsea did changed our game plan, changed the way we were trying to play the game, and that's why that change was exactly the right one. But it came at a, a very very badly timed moment. But you know, I, I think with more players available in the centre of the park. And I still think we've got to invest there. We've got to invest up front, whether that's centrally or, or wide right, or, or maybe just back uh, Jezrin Raksaki. Just stop, just give him three or four games, maybe say play out on the right for us, be a winger, because that's what we need out there. Um, and th- that seems to be the option yeah. there. But other than that, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm moaning, but I'm, I don't feel bad about it. I, I think it was just... We, I think that's probably about as well as we could do in the circumstances. Sorry, Chris, I know I talked on there, but you wanted to jump in. Yeah, and I just wanted to pick up, up on a couple of the things you points you raised there. I mean, interestingly, you said about the formation. Um, now, in the post-match press conference, Matt Woosnam asked Patrick Vieira specifically about um, what the formation was um, 
and you know that it appeared to be more of a full a four four two. Um, and Vieira said that that was a specific plan that they'd been working on it all week, uh, despite the formation having been four three three in the preseason games. And the quote on that was that their game plan was to force the ball wide, but when the ball was wide, we were not aggressive enough, and they had too much time on the ball. Mm-hmm. So that was what he said. And then I followed that up by looking on whoscored.com, um, which reflected some of the conversation we've had so far. You know, it shows that we were more advanced on the left, uh, both Mitchell and Schlupp uh, were more advanced than the equivalent players on the right. Um, but interestingly for me, uh, watching it in the ground, that was where it seemed that Chelsea caused us the most problems. And that was where we were losing the ball. Now, it may be, of course, that because there was a lack of option to advance on the right, it was having to be done on the left. And, you know, so effectively, Mitchell and Schlupp were picking up the slack for the fact that the midfield weren't dipping back and that the there wasn't the ability to move as quickly on the right. But we looked vulnerable on the left. And then lastly, with regard to the midfield, you, you made a, a very valid point there about, um, you know, the lack of mobility. I don't know if it was as apparent on TV as it was in the ground, but MacArthur took a pretty nasty knock pretty early on. I was convinced he was going off. Um, and I'm, I'm fairly sure I saw a midfielder warming up uh, as a likely replacement. I was huh. amazed that he carried on uh, you know, to the end of the game because he, he looked really quite hurt by that very early on. And I was mm. surprised that he, he got the chance to carry on. Yeah, well, I mean, he, you know, he was probably the best of the bunch for me uh, in in terms of performances on the day. So, um, yeah, he did did really well to to, to push through that then. Um, but you know, I, I take I take your point um, about on, on the formation, but it but it wasn't clear, and I think perhaps that's as a result. And they might have worked on it all week, but I suppose that might be a result of of playing four three three under Vieira the entire time, and then having to switch it up for Chelsea. But you know, for me, uh, two in midfield was never really going to cut it in that game. And and funnily enough, and again, Patrick's talked about the fact that there was a, you know, nine Hodgson players in that side, and um, and we actually repeated one of the biggest mistakes of of playing against Chelsea that Hodgson made, uh, certainly last season, and probably in fairness the season before, which was allowing Jorginho to completely dictate the game. You know, for me, you need that extra body in midfield, and you need to park someone on him. So I suppose yeah. in, in a perfect world, we would have had you know, Gallagher available and, and Luca available and you'd kind of free up a third midfielder, maybe MacArthur, and just say, look, sit on Jorginho, just go follow him everywhere around the pitch, stop him dictating play, stop him switching the play and, and getting behind us down the flanks with one quick pass out there and all that kind of stuff. But you know, we're we're you know we're picking at we're picking at a performance, we're picking at the tactics, but I don't necessarily think we could have done too much different which would have changed the result there. Um, you know, I think we played a really good side. Um, we had so many players out injured. And, and later on in the show, we'll talk about just how much has changed at Palace um, for us to be going into a first game of the season like that and why we shouldn't be reading too much into this, overreacting, getting any kind of negativity. It was, you know, we, we, we made big strides and no more so than looking at the number of young players on the bench and looking at the fact that when that game was dead, we didn't have a, a manager who said, and I know you're a fan of his, Chris, but we didn't have a manager who said, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take risks and concede more goals. We had a manager who threw on <laughs> Jezrin Raksaki, who performed <laughs> superbly, who, you know, who valued the chance and the opportunity he got. Is clearly feeling loved. Is clearly feeling appreciated, and that is so important. And it was my biggest bugbear of the previous regime was too many young players didn't get that backing. Whether they're good enough to play week in week out in the Premier League kind of falls away into irrelevance at some point. You have to back them, and you have to give them an opportunity. You have to show right. them something. And the worst that'll happen is they won't quite be good enough. But you're still, they'll still go on to to feel like well they've played in the Premier League. They'll push on. They'll have a career, and that everyone behind them sees that happens and gets that opportunity. So I was really happy to see that in this game. Uh, Patrick, over to you, quick, and then we'll move on. Yeah. Um. So great points, Chris. I want to go back to the formation thing and what uh Chris Clark just mentioned about uh the comments that Vieira made. See, I'm all for that. Um, the problem I have with Hodgson is that Hodgson was very set in the four four two and would never come out of it. We would be on watch along last year, and when he changed it up, we'd get we'd be ecstatic because he actually did something different. So the fact that he changed 
it for Chelsea prior to the match. It didn't work. We get that. Was was good for me as far as, you know, looking for the future. And the fact that during the match, he made another adjustment and went to three in the back. Realizing that, that what he wanted to do prior to the game wasn't working. You're right, Chris. Anderson came on and he scored. Had they not scored at that point, that change was brilliant because bringing Benteke and Anderson on at that time changed the match. Gave us a little more impetus. Gave us some more solidity in the back. It moved Kiyata out of position where he wasn't really comfortable. Put Anderson next to Gwehi. It was great. So I like that. Secondly, your point about Jorginho is a great point. But think about how both Luca and Gallagher play. They're very what I would call nudgy players. They will get in a stuck in a tackle and they'll do things that other players on our team don't do right now. Kyoto doesn't do that. Um, Maka doesn't do that. And Jairo doesn't do that. Schlott doesn't. You need someone in there to take a tackle and take someone out. Luca and Gallagher do that and they were both missing yesterday. So going forward, having those two available to take, you know, be more physical in, in midfield to me is a big, big difference and will make Vieira's choices and options much more, much better in the future. Yeah, for sure. 100% agree with that. So let's take a little moment before we... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Stop talking about the game, uh, to talk about some of the performances that we saw. Um, I've mentioned, to be honest with you, I've mentioned uh, Maka and Raksaki and, and, and to some degree Mark Gay, who I was, impre- I was impressed with him. I thought he was really good. Um, but, you know, statistically didn't have a great game according to who scored. But I thought he did pretty well and showed some real talent on the ball. Uh, liked him striding forward. And when we saw Anderson come on, uh, he had a similar you know, style about him, comfortable on the ball. And those two, I think, you know, going forward probably will end up as our centre-back partnership, as you would expect, given the outlay on them. So I think those things are positive. But I'd like to talk about Mateta, if I can. Um, you know, given an opportunity to start, a um, little bit surprised, but apparently it was due to a, a, a bit of a calf niggle with Benteke and they didn't want to risk him from the start of the match. But, you know, it didn't, you know, how much of this is down to the kind of stop-start um, that he experienced last season under Hodgson, where, you know, he came in, had an impact, you know, was was still, you know, clearly he's got a lot of work to do to be playing at the pace that the Premier League plays at uh, because it's impacted on his hold-up play. You know, he's, he's, he's trying to rush things a little bit, so you see the ball bounce off him a bit too much. Um, but a lot of people writing him off, um, so, I mean, I'll start with you, Chris. Um, you know, what was the impression from people at the game and, and your impression of, of Mateta's performance? It was frustrating for sure. Um, you know, I mean, you've already covered the point, really, that he didn't seem to be able to, uh, you know, just take a header or chest the ball in the way that Benteke did. You know, the ball seems to stick to Benteke and it didn't seem like that with Mateta. But the other thing I would say is that he had, phenomenally poor service yesterday and to to judge anyone off the back of you know that game really it would probably be a bit harsh uh, I think there's definitely got to be more potential there having said that when the changes were made uh, and you know you had the ability to play out long from the back with Anderson and someone who could receive it and control it and pass it to someone else in the form of Benteke things looked a bit a lot better so yeah we can't write him off yet but I, I was you know, pretty disappointed with that performance. And frankly, you know, I didn't know about the calf injury thing. That's news to me, um, you know, and reassures me that uh, that's not hopefully going to be the starting situation on an ongoing basis because I'm a bit concerned that that's, that's not the way to go for us. Indeed. And uh, Patrick, how about yourself? How do you feel, um, certainly the performance from Mateta, I'm sure you won't feel too differently, but how do you feel about him and his, his chances in establishing himself at Palace? He wasn't given a chance under Hodgson. 
I'm much more willing to give him a chance uh, under a different system under Vieira. To be honest with you, Chris, I think he's looked out of shape. I've watched him in some training videos in a couple of the um, preseason matches. He's just getting into shape, but he just hasn't played. He didn't play last year with us at all. He's not, he's not match fit. I'm not going to judge on yesterday's game. Uh, totally unfair. He just wasn't. No one was into the game. I think I thought Wilf was invisible yesterday. I never killed Wilf. So you mentioned Ayu already. I thought the front three, or whatever they were, front two were poor. But you know, I'd like to go to someone else who you haven't mentioned so far. I thought he didn't have a bad game, and we never bad mouth. And that's uh, the goalkeeper Guaita. Now I'm not going to fault him on the first goal because I thought the foul was ridiculous to be given up. But he didn't move for that free kick. The second goal. You cannot parry that ball back into danger. You've got to parry it wide. And then the third goal was a 25-yard shot by a defender. I know it was a long shot. It was a really good shot by Trevor Chalaba. But I thought, despite having, he made quite a few good sets. I thought Guaita wasn't at his best yesterday. And this, if that was Hennessy, I would have destroyed him. So I've got to be fair with Guaita. I thought Guaita, honestly, did not have a great match yesterday. Yeah, I think that's I've got to be fair. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And that's, you know... That is, it's a shame. Um, but players do, you know, do do have you know issues with form at times, and you know he's been superb for us, and he's got a bit of yes. credit in the bank to to have a to have a game like that. Having said that, I think it's also worth considering, you know, what's in front of him. You know, Kiate he's obviously familiar with, but Mark Gay he's not. Um, you know, Anderson he's not. Um, you know, and he, it's a, it, and I think you know we talked about it earlier. I think also. The fact that he's being asked to play out from the back and not looking as comfortable, I think that's also going to get in your head psychologically. But he's going to have to he's going to have to adjust. He's going to have to improve. You know, he's going to have to get back to that level. Um, you know, Butland will be breathing down his neck. I have to say, Butland's not the greatest at his, with his with his feet either. To be quite honest with you, but you know, he's a very good goalkeeper who you know could get an opportunity if, if, if that carries on. But I don't, you know, I don't think. Any, I know you're not advocating any kind of a panic, Patrick, but. I think it's uh, certainly something worth talking about, Chris. Yeah, just briefly um, on Guaita, the uh, the 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 first goal. I don't think he could possibly. I mean, he, even if he had moved, it would have been futile. It was a very well taken free kick. The second one, yeah, I would agree. He was, at, you know, he was at fault for that. And the third was a very good shot. Um, probably should have got closer, but you know, it, that was just one of those you know, very rare goals where you just think, how on earth did that happen? Uh, the other thing I would point out is that, you know, we were, I mean, we've already said we were playing the, Euro- the European Champions League champions and, you know, they had 13 shots in that game against us. I think, you know, we could have conceded double the number of goals if he hadn't had quite a good game. So, you know, overall, pretty happy with that. Okay, fair. All right. And um, I'll tell you what, before we, before we, before we jump on any further, um, Chris, I, I, just like to get a bit of perspective, um, step away from the analysis for a little while, for a little moment, and, and just talk to us about being back, away game, Chelsea, a full stadium again. Talk us about, talk, tell us about your day, tell us about how it went. You know, I'm jealous. I can't wait to get back into the ground when I'm allowed to, and you know, and and, and certainly you know, desperate to do so. And you know, watching the game at the ground, being out there with your friends and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you didn't get to celebrate a goal and it wasn't the best of performances, but what was it like? Oh, it was magic to actually be back at, you know, Premier League football in a Premier League ground and socialising with Palace fans before and afterwards as well. Um, you know, it started quite early at East Croydon. Um, you know, went went to the, the a local pub and had a breakfast in there. Um, then... After that, went up to West Kensington, which was a suitable location to meet a number of different people, including you know, shh, a Chelsea fan. Um, so had a, had a bit of a gathering, watched the Man U uh, Leeds game, which was a cracker anyway, and chatted about our different perspectives on what was going to be happening. Um, Nick and DR of this parish both uh, rocked up at the pub as well. Um, Nick remarked on his £6.70 pint. Uh, just, um, just one of the benefits of being post lockdown. Oh London pubs were always expensive, but now it's just ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, we had a, we had a nice chat. Then we got to the ground, and um, despite 
quite considerable, you know, scare stories about how long it was going to take to get in and, you know, having to show your COVID pass. And I mean, if anyone, anyone who's been to Chelsea knows, you go through about three levels of security where they check you're in the right queue and that you have got a ticket and that you've not got a firework up your bum or whatever it is that they're worried about. So by the time we got to the front, it was really, um, you know, just, just let us in, please. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we finally got there and got upstairs um, and it was busy and there, you know, and rocking and people were singing the songs and it was exactly what you want. Andy Johnson's magic ringing out, out around the concourse um, into the stadium. Uh, the ultras had their own little section uh, in the seat seating area. Um, I was too far away from that, frankly. Um, you know, I'm going to be making sure I uh, book differently and get nearer them next time, or just defy the rules and just move down to be with them because that <laughs> was um, that was absolutely the place to be. And you know, I mean, the atmosphere it, it wasn't what it's going to be next week when we're at home, but mm. you know, we we definitely put the other lot to shame with the noise we made, uh, yeah. especially considering the performance that we got to see yesterday. So. It was a really good um, day out. I will also add, um, yeah, my predictable beer moan that one, the beer they serve at Chelsea is terrible. Two, you had to queue. Um, I had to queue for the entire uh, half time period uh, and got my beer just as ha- the second half started. So you know, I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. But um, you know, at least at least we did get a beer, and so there was something to celebrate at the end. And it was it was a really special day out just to see faces, yeah. fist bump with people. And I'm looking forward to doing it again next week. I have to say, before Patrick jumps in, I have to say, thank, well done for keeping up your your tradition of missing goals just before half time, going to get a beer. Well done on that, and having to watch the goal, the second goal back later on. That's um, hugely appreciated. And and also, um, I'm really proud that they didn't they, that they didn't find your firework bum uh, place. Yeah, well, I never um, got the chance to set it off, did I? <laughs> no, well, no, exactly, but. Well done on concealing that. Um, sorry, Patrick, over to you, mate. Well, first, uh, g- great job uh, recreating the atmosphere there, Chris. Um, it sounds great. And I just want to say, you know, obviously I don't get to get as many games as people do because I watch them on TV. But I have to say, such a huge difference being able to watch a game with fans in than not watching them with fans. The atmosphere, you can it comes across on TV. I mean, I know Hamble watched it on TV yesterday also. But, you know, we get every game over here, luckily, in America. And... To get to listen to the sound, you could hear the Padded fans yesterday. They had a little bit of extra ten minutes where they just had no talking, just had the you know you could hear the crowd. It was it was great, and I, you know football to me just not football without the fans. And it's really I'm happy you guys can get to go to the games in person, but I'm also happy the the fact that you can hear and see people enjoy the game because it's just different. So I'm really happy the fans are back and everybody can hopefully everybody just stay safe. It's been great though so far with the fans back. Absolutely. Well, look, we're in. Um, we're going to be keeping the the shows shorter and sharper throughout the course of this season. Um, so we're not going to dwell too long because we touched on a lot of the themes of, of what I wanted to talk about next already, which is the fact that we have a new era at Palace, and obviously the preview guys previewed the season right at the start. You can go back and listen to that podcast for for full details on that. But a couple of things that I wanted to really highlight, um, and one of the ways I'm going to do that is by listening by reading out a list of names. <laughs> so not going to be the most fascinating thing, but I just wanted people to give a bit of context that how much has changed at the club. Um, first of all, of course, the manager has changed, which is significant. Um, and a lot of the coaching staff as well. You've had, a, um, you know, some people moving on, you know, for for pastures new, uh, like Dave Reddington, got an opportunity to move on. I think Scott Guyette's gone back to Australia. So there's been a, been a, changing of the guard behind the scenes as well. But in terms of the list of players, now some of these are, are academy names that you may not have heard of as well, but I think I just wanted to include them all for context. So leaving the club uh, at the end of the season, you know, prior to the start of this season, probably a better way of saying it. Uh, Brandon Ivero, Lion Bellow, Lewis Bryan, Gary Cahill, Scott Dan, Kean Flanagan, Kevin Gonzalez, Harlem Hale, Kyron Henderson, Stephen Henderson, Wayne Hennessy, Lewis Hobbs, Cameron Jessop, Rowan Luthra, Alfie Matthews, James McCarthy, Jacob Russell, Jude Russell, Mamadou Sacco, Rowan Smith, Andros Townsend, Patrick Van Arnholt, Connor Wickham, Sam Woods, Ellison Wright, Nick Tavares, and Richard Faike. We went to Swansea. So that is a, is a huge amount of players going out. Players coming in, uh, Jacob Montes, who we know has gone straight out on loan, 
to Belgium, uh, American signing linked to our, our new investor, um, John Texter. Um, and um, Michael Elise from Reading, we brought in, obviously, um, not fit for the next couple of weeks at the very least, I believe. Um, the goalkeeper, Remy Matthews from Sunderland. Uh, Adlan Nascimento from uh, Peterborough, who, who again has signed for the youth and, and played, as Patrick mentioned earlier at the start of the show. Mark Gay, who obviously played yesterday, and Joachim Anderson, who came off the bench. Conor Gallagher on loan, who didn't play, obviously. And that that's what we've brought in. So a huge list of names leaving the club. So that, you know, that's impactful at the best of times. Um, some decent names coming in, but that's still, when you think about the players we've brought into the first team, it's fewer than have left for a start. So we know we've got probably a few more to come in. But, um, you know, but the, the players we have got, we have brought in, you know, Lisa's not available. And, and he, you know, he's probably wanting to be pushing for, you know, either a midfield berth or the right-hand side. We know Eze is not available at the moment as well um, and for, for a significant period. We know Nathan, Nathan Ferguson is not available for a significant period. So all of these things, there's so much <laughs> that you have to kind of think, this is why we need perspective. And it's not just about perspective against play, playing Chelsea, right? We need perspective for the first 10 games of this season. I was asked by the Chelsea fans on the podcast I, I guested on, where, what do you, where, where do you think you're going to be this season? And I said, look, 10 games in, Frankly, I'll be surprised if we're not in the relegation zone. I genuinely will. We've got seven, the opening seven games are a nightmare, but settling that number of players in and, and missing the real spark and creativity of Eze and, and not even being out of blood at it's going to be so tough. So you've got to stick with it. You've got to believe that, you know, we've made changes for the right reasons. We, we've given ourselves the best opportunity to do something different. If we kept repeating the same things over and over, that squad was getting older and older. And we've now seen the consequences of that, right? So we've seen a whole bunch of people have to leave the club. So now it's about transition and change. And it's the most dangerous time for any football club. There's no easy way to do this. You can't just go out, spend a ton of money and expect it all to work and you'll all be fine. You know, that establishing ourselves as a Premier Club, doing the same things week in, week out. It was only ever going to work for a certain period of time. And we saw it. We saw it the last couple of years where it was starting to go wrong. Um, and we just need, we desperately need to do something about it. So that's, you know, that's my long monologue about that. But just again, I'll start with you, Chris, and then finish with you, Patrick. Just, you know, your thoughts and feelings on this new era. What excites you? What scares you? What, what, you, what are you thinking? Right, well, let's start with what, what excites me? I mean, we've we've got a manager uh, who is a you know well recognised leader. Um, he has articulated an understanding of the vision, you know that, and he's bought into the vision. Uh, unlike the last time we we tried something bold where we were trying to change, um, you know that that manager and that experiment didn't last that long. This time, you know, we we've actually got a manager who said. You know, in in his interview, uh, that what did he say? Giving the opportunity to young players is part of the DNA of this football club. That's a direct quote. Um, and he also said that they've been working on different systems so players can adapt. Both recognizing weaknesses of the previous regime. I'm willing to accept that there were some. Um, so you know, I, I'm really optimistic about that. You know, I mean, the recruitment. What a change. From previous times, where we you know we've been in a situation where we get linked with someone good, um, it gets drawn out for about three weeks, and then West Ham sign them, and now we're in a position where the the business is done super quick. It's almost like you know having this, this <laughs> group of people leading the club; they've learned from their mistakes and are doing the right things. So you know those are the things I'm excited about. I'm a little bit scared about you know some aspects. There were definitely other people who were getting a bit antsy about some of the specific aspects of the new style uh, yesterday, especially playing out from the back when it was so deep and so risky and so uncomfortable at times. But then later on, there were moments where it looked like it might work. And you know we won't be playing Chelsea every week, as I think uh, Vieira also said in his interview. Uh, so yeah, basically those those are my thoughts. I'm I'm really quite optimistic about this time. We, I'm I'm happy. I mean, if the window closed now, I'd be happy with where we are, and I get the impression that we're actually going to do some other business as well. So, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic. Okay, and over to you, Patrick, for your thoughts. With me, um, 
I've always tried to be positive when, we, when we've got a new manager. We've got quite a few in the Premier League era. But I always wait and I suss them out. And then that's when I turn on people like, you know, uh, Pulis, who left us, Aladice, et cetera. Um, and then I, I ultimately Hodgson. But with this, what scares me is that it's the, just the fact that it's changed. And uh, Vieira is inexperienced in Premier League, but I'm willing to give him a chance. But it is scary. Um what also scares me is the schedule. Like you said, Chris, the opening 10 games are, 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 are a nightmare. and We've got to find a way through that. Um, I'm also um, scared about the patience of the owners. I mean, I trust Parrish, but we've got another American owner in there. Will he, you know, panic if we're in a, you know, if we're 20th after 10 matches and demand that we change, you know, the manager, etc. I hope not. I mean, but that does scare me that we won't be patient. Um, what excites me is the fact that we have a manager who is willing to, to do Something different than the old manager. Not stick with the same formation. Let me tell you something. When Masaki came on yesterday, I've never been more excited for a debut in my in, in since I was like maybe a kid. To see that kid get a chance when he sat on the bench, I think three or four times on the Hudson, knowing he'd never get on, was brilliant for me. I didn't care how he played, and he actually played really well. That excited me after they see him. So I'm excited for people like Hammond, Hannon, and Banks, and maybe even Street to get a chance. That excites me. The youth policy that we have excites me i mean under teams winning yesterday and uh you know we know we have some changes there i know we've we've uh moved um sean Derry up to first team coaches i'm happy for him and but we got patty down charge of the 23s and i think rob queen's in charge of the 18 so the future looks bright there and also the new players i mean chris hit it perfectly the recruitment is is so been so spot on Olise, great long player. Gwehi, Anderson. I won a Gallagher last season. I mean, I'm excited about, you know, we're getting it, you know, very Manchester by getting new players. Might get a couple more this week. Maybe we'll get in um Will Hughes, get maybe a striker in. But that excites me. So to me, there's so much more positive to be about the negative. And I get people, you know, getting upset yesterday, but I'm not I'm not buying into it. I get why they would get upset, but I'm not gonna buy into that nonsense. I'm gonna give Vieira the entire season. I said it during I think we're the one we did with, I did the, the uh, podcast with uh, with Sam, and I think it was Nick. It was, yeah, talking about Vieira. I'm going to give him the entire season, and, and even if we go down, I'm willing to give him, you know, a year in the championship. That's how much I'm going to back this manager, because I'm, I'm, I'm here for the long haul. I'm tired of this whole six-month manager who keeps us up, and we just want to stay up. I want, I want a plan, and I think we have a plan here, and I'm really excited about the future for our club. I really am, for the first time in ages. Fantastic. It's great to hear you speaking so passionately there, Patrick. And I think, you know, for me, it, it's it's got to be about patience and it's got to be about believing in what we're going to do. You know, there may come a time where it just seems that the message isn't getting through and it doesn't work. And that's that's not for us to decide. That's for, for those in charge to decide because the consequences are, are theirs, really. They're not ours. And, um, but just to kind of give you the an indication of the kind of polar opposites of views, um, I've picked out two comments. The first is from Monstrance on Twitter. That's at MarrickMazza98. He said there was nothing new. I was hoping for some kind of departure from the old regime, but not seeing it. Even most of the players are the same. Early days and all that would have been nice to see something a bit more aggressive, maybe. And I, you know, I, I understand where that comes from. And I think throughout the course of this show, we've articulated why we think that wasn't the case. Um, but... You know, on the flip side, Sam Hesketh from our, our preview show said, uh, not going to get annoyed about today. Chelsea are comfortably one of the best teams in the league. We've got players out, a new system, a new coach and debutants. It wasn't a particularly good performance, but at least Vieira changed things up for the better and bought on Raksaki. And I think that, you know, ultimately, that's where I'm going to nail my mast, nail my colours to the mast on as well, because... You know, that, that's how I genuinely feel. And um, we'll see how it goes throughout the course of the season. But I think anyone right at the moment who's, um, you know, we've seen a few few people creep out of the woodwork already who are, you know, saying, you know, all you people who wanted rid of Roy, this is what you asked for, all this kind of stuff. And I think if you're saying that after one game, I, I think even you, if you're perfectly honest with yourself, um, you know, you're, you, you, you can't really believe that because... You know, not, you can't logically judge it like that already. Uh, last bit from you, Chris, before we end. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I've got a couple of things to mention. So the first is one that I forgot when when uh, Patrick asked me earlier on about, you know, and, and Chris, you asked me about my uh, impressions of uh, the, and experience of the day at Chelsea. Uh, Scott Dan was actually in the ground, um, not with us. Sadly, he was in the in the Chelsea stand. Um, his, his boys are Chelsea fans. Um, but uh, it, we we spent a fair old time uh, distracting ourselves from what was happening on the pitch, uh, calling for him to give us a wave. 
Uh, and he did. Uh, and Andy <laughs> okay. came over and did a selfie with at least one fan um, who asked hmm. for it uh, after the game. So that was that was nice to see. But also, on, again, on a lighter note, I just wanted to draw something out that I saw on the uh, highlights package, re-watching this, because I wanted, as you mentioned earlier, I, met, I missed one of the goals, and I wanted to just double-check if my perspective in the ground uh, was vindicated by what I saw. Um, and... There was, there's a moment on the highlights. I can't, I can't believe they've edited this in by accident. I think it's got to be deliberate. So Werner has a shot during the second half that trickles towards the corner flag. Um, mm. And the commentators aren't talking. They are just sniggering. <laughs> so I think can't have left it in by accident. So check that out on Palace TV. It's the extended highlights package. And it's just them going... Yeah, and it's I, about I... 10 seconds of it. It's not. Yeah. That's not an accident. I remember I remember the shot well as well. It was um it was breathtaking. I mean to be fair to him he didn't have any options, but the comment the commentators on what I was watching were saying, uh, oh maybe he thought someone was in the box and he was trying to play it across to them. Nope. <laughs> nope, absolutely not. Anyway, thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you very much, Chris, for your time today. Thank you to Mikey for producing the show. And of course, thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, everyone who's got in touch with the show and throughout the course of this season, whether we read your message or not, everything you say to us helps us develop a plan for the show. So keep contacting us on all forms of social media. You can email us on hi at backofthenest.com if you want to do that too. Uh, and definitely check out the YouTube channel. As, as Patrick is saying, he's now doing a live post-match reaction show there with uh, T, who's joined the ranks, and um, and very good it is too. And DR will be producing plenty of content from match days and, and throughout the course of the weeks there too. Um, fantastic work being done on our YouTube channel. So get over there, get subscribing. And of course, the preview team will be back in the, in the week, recording on Wednesday, I believe, uh, to look ahead to next weekend's opening home fixture of the season against newly promoted Brentford, who opened their season, of course, with a win against Arsenal. So until next time, come on, you palace. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.